0: The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Now, on Inside Hollywood this week, we take a look at uh, the cultural force that was Marilyn Monroe. Immortalized in song by Elton John in Candle in the Wind, she was born Norma Jean Mortensen and arguably one of the biggest names in showbiz of the 20th century. I'm joined now by TV host, executive producer of Spotlight, Lisa Cannon. Lisa, good morning.
1: Good morning, Pat. Are you a fan? I am, as I know you are.
0: I am, absolutely. Um, A talent that was often dismissed, but we'll talk about that in a while. So tell me about her background.
1: Well, you know, a lot has been kind of put out there in the the, the sphere about Marilyn already with the movie, of course, uh, that was nominated this year. But let's talk about her career and where she started. And many people know that she was born in Los Angeles, but many people don't know that her mother, Gladys Pearl, um, you know, was a very difficult woman. She kind of mirrored and shaped uh, Marilyn's life. She suffered from mental health issues sadly. But Marilyn's father's identity was never, ever known for sure. So, as a result, uh, Monroe spent much of her childhood in foster homes and orphanages. Of course, this has been portrayed in many movies around her life. But in 1942, at the age of 16, she married her first husband at 16. You have to think about that. uh, James Doherty. And she started working in a factory during World War II. And it was during this time that she was discovered by a photographer. She began modelling. There's a lot of those uh, early modelling shoots that you see down in Newbridge Silverware, down in County Kildare there. And she soon signed a contract then with 20th Century Fox and started her acting lessons. So that's where it all began.
0: Now, she did take acting lessons. Uh, She wasn't just that pretty face.
1: Absolutely. I think people are sometimes a little bit... um, She feels feels like a misunderstood actress because she did work with Lee Strasberg as an acting coach. She's an incredibly influential acting coach who co-founded the group theatre in New York he'd be very very famous for his Stanislavski method and he served as the artistic director of the Actors Studio and she devoured Lee Strasberg's um, I suppose potential as as an acting coach she spent a lot of time with him and his wife and this method acting that we know today we talked about Daniel Day-Lewis last week it's all about the emotional psychological and realism in performances so she was incredibly brilliant and bright as an actress with lots of avid reading going on behind the scenes and I suppose she began studying with him in the 1940s Mm. Now, what was her breakthrough role? Well, actually, many people don't know this, that she was cast in a small, uncredited role in 1950 in the film The Asphalt Jungle, which kind of led to her being cast then in a leading role in All About Eve. Um, I don't know if anyone has seen that.
0: (laughs) Years ago, I would have seen The Asphalt Jungle. I I can't remember spotting Marilyn, so it might have been a a small role, but not being aware of it, I wasn't looking for her necessarily. All About Eve, though, was a big movie.
1: Big movie. And, uh, you know, it's an important... I suppose, gear change for Monroe as well because then, and thus, because of her beauty and her breathless voice, her popularity skyrocketed and of course she became one of Hollywood's biggest stars. Now, talk to me
0: about that breathless delivery. There was a reason for that.
1: Yeah, well, you see, because of that time in the 1940s, many women who were garnering lots of contracts through 20th Century Fox and other had to kind of I suppose, define themselves different to others. And she was really uh, embracing a new role as such. So, this breathlessness was something that she put together herself. It was developed by her and her acting coaches. Was it because
0: she had a stammer or a stutter?
1: She had a. And and this was a way
0: of coping with that stammer.
1: Absolutely, she had a loose stammer, and uh, Monroe uh, obviously compensated for this through this breathlessness that she thought of as in, in this divine femininity. That, of course, many men uh, fell at her feet for, but this was a strategic plan in order to overcome that and uh, garner more confidence. Mm. Now, we're going to play a clip from
0: "Some Like It Hot." Now, this is a movie that is played every single year at Christmas. Every a year, popular favorite. It's one of my favorite movies. I could watch it again and again. And it stars uh, Tony Curtis. Yes. And Jack Lemon in, in drag, uh, masquerading as uh, two female musicians because they're on the run from the mob. It's, yeah. And they come across uh, the Marilyn Monroe character, who's a vocalist with this band, or oh, she plays the tuba, is it? Anyway, um, she is called Sugar Cane. Have a listen to this exchange. I'm Sugar Cane. Hi. Sugar Cane? Yeah, I changed it. used to be Sugar Kowalczyk. You Polish? Yes. I come from this musical family. My mother is a piano teacher, my father was a conductor.
1: Where did he conduct?
0: the Baltimore, Ohio. I play the ukulele and I sing, too.
1: Sings, too?
0: <laughs> well, I don't have much of a voice, but then, this isn't much of a band, either. I'm only with them because I'm running away. Running away from what? Oh, don't get me started on that. Hey, you want some?
1: Oh, it's bourbon. <laughs> I'll take a rain check. <laughs>
0: I don't want you to think I'm a drinker. I can stop any time I want to, only I don't want to, especially when I'm blue. We understand. All the girls drink, it's just that I'm the one that gets caught. Story of my life. I always get the fuzzy end of the lollipop. Always get the fuzzy end of the lollipop.
1: Absolutely. In
0: in those kind of scenes, I mean, she really can act. She can, the camera loves her and you can look at nothing else in any of those scenes but Marilyn.
1: I think it's the sex appeal, the vulnerability on screen, but it's also comedic timing and people don't realise that she often plays these characters who are naive and innocent or struggling with personal demons and I think she was equally uh, adept at doing drama and comedy. We've seen so many of her cache of work. Gentlemen prefer blondes, Misfits, of course, it was released after after her death uh, posthumously. But I think, you know, as an actress, she shone in every possible way. Wonderful.
0: Now, her personal life was colourful.
1: Very colourful. I mean, I, th- I think it, it doesn't need to be explained. Many people would know of the tragic conspiracy theories and, and s- sadness around her death in uh, 1962. Um, obviously, she had myriad of affairs, including John F. Kennedy and Robert Kennedy, allegedly. Allegedly, allegedly, yeah. allegedly let me say that. Uh, but also, she had three marriages, no children. She would several miscarriages. She struggled with drug abuse and other, and alcoholism, and I think <coughs> mental health also as well. She was very much a timid character, but also So a vulnerable woman. And um, I think, you know, she was very much swept up in Mm. the uh, euphoria of Hollywood, old Hollywood at that time. And I think, sadly, it was the beginning of her demise. Um,
0: You don't uh, go with any of those conspiracy theories that in some way she was an embarrassment to the politicians and um, they had her done away with?
1: There is, if you're asking me personally, I think there's definitely a touch of that for sure. I'm not saying, uh, you know, that she's still alive, like we think about Elvis, but I certainly think there was definitely a touch of um, political mishandling, yes, in her death. Yeah, I do. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, She allegedly, again, had uh, this uh, fling with John F. Kennedy. It may not have been a protracted affair. It may not have happened at all. Who knows? Well, but there is that famous uh, moment where for John F Kennedy's what is it his 45th birthday.
1: Birthday. Yes, and the very special dress that Kim Kardashian wore recently to the Met Gala, but they first met in 1954 at a party in Los Angeles and were known to have several social and kind of personal connections since then. It's been alluded mm. to in every biopic across any stratosphere mm. that they had an affair. So Who's to know?
0: Who's to know? And uh, she made a, a sudden surprise appearance at the president's 45th birthday celebration. And this is what she did.
1: Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Happy birthday
0: to you. So much.
1: Everybody, happy birthday!
0: Uh, it's... <laughs> It's hard to imagine who could have the same effect.
1: Absolutely. Today. It is hard and of course you know people know that she did become increasingly involved in social activism and politics and she developed a close, close friendship with Kennedy's brother-in-law the actor Peter Lawford. So He was one of the Rat Pack in Hollywood. That's right. In, uh, Hollywood. in Hollywood, Frank Sinatra and other. But I I mean I mean many people talk about her death because people are interested in it I mean there's there's full films dedicated to um that passing day on Sunday the 5th of August 1962 the overdose of sleeping in her Brentwood home or accordingly the reason that sadly mm. she passed away.
0: Now, uh, roles that she might have played but did not. Uh, Holly Golightly in Breakfast at Tiffany's, the role that was taken by Audrey Hepburn.
1: Yeah, this is an interesting one because I, I, I mean, I I didn't feel that she could really uh, depict that. I mean, Audrey Hepburn was the only one for me but th- they wanted her. Similarly, we talked about Daniel Day-Lewis last week who, you know, Tarantino wanted him for, for the role in, in uh, Pulp Fiction. So, it's a it's a, it's a funny one because she really had she'd appeared in Playboy in 1953. She'd you know really been the starlet that people didn't want to cast in more serious roles. So I'm quite surprised by that. But she yes she turned down the role.
0: Yeah, well Truman Capote wanted her, uh, didn't get her, no. and uh, you know when you see it as played by Audrey Hepburn, hard to imagine anybody oh, hard else to imagine. playing I don't it. Think you mentioned so. Playboy. She
1: posed for Playboy, but never met. The man in the pyjamas. No, she she says here in many quotes that she was actually in her brother's acting class in New York, but she said, sorry, um, sorry." The, the founder, Hugh, Hugh Hefner, Hefner's. said she was actually in my brother's acting class in New York, but the reality is I never met her, which I find quite hard to believe. I would have thought Hugh Hefner would have definitely tracked her down. But he said, I talked to her once on the phone, never met her. She was gone, sadly, before I came out. So there you have it. Yes, uh, I, I she was
0: on the very first Playboy cover. So yes. that that is historic in itself, i suppose I
1: suppose um, the
0: the I was going to say relics if it's not too blasphemous to use that word of her career, I mean the dress that uh, Kim Kardashian wore valued at enormous amounts of money and and people collect Marilyn memorabilia and it's I'm trying to kind of understand how she became such an icon and how all of the stuff associated with her is worth so much money.
1: I think because of her status as a cultural icon I think people want the memorabilia. I mean I have many times, you know, gone to Newbridge as I mentioned before down in Kildare. They have a beautiful exhibition around her stunning clothes and photographs but I, I think, you know, the Seven Year Rich is one of the most famous iconic scenes in movie history and of course that's the one if you don't know the white dress that blows up in the subway great and this sold at auction for £4.6 million in 2011 I think people have a deep fascination for her I think she is an incredibly complex actress but also it's, it's the foray around her with JFK of course movies and of course as we said that beautiful breathlessness and femininity
0: Lisa Cannon TV host executive producer of Spotlight uh, thank you very much